It is good to see everyone here again this morning. Let's go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 9 this morning. 2 Samuel, chapter number 9. As some of you may know, the book of 1 Samuel helps us identify three main characters in Scripture. The prophet Samuel, the king, Saul, and David. It's considered a book of transition, if you would. Again, the Lord was uh, king and reigning over the Israelites up to this point, And now Saul was beginning to reign. And, of course, at one point his death. And introduces to us David. As we come to 2 Samuel, uh, again, we find here the meat of the text is focused on one individual. And that is King David. Again, as we're coming here to chapter number 9, we find that David wants to honor a friend. He wants to honor Jonathan and all that he had done for his life. And he asked the question, are there any living sons of the house of Saul that he can show kindness to? There's mention of a servant of Saul by the name of uh, Ziba. David addresses his servant and asks, is there, is there any sons left uh, of Saul's house? And very specifically there in verse number 3 it says, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto him? And again, just as a side note, we understand that Jesus tells us in the New Testament in Matthew that uh, we are to love our enemy. As we talked about this morning at Sunday school, uh, we are to bless them that curse you and to hate, uh, do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And uh, the only way we can do that is through God and what he has given us and what he has blessed us with. And that's exactly what David is trying to show here. He's trying to show God's goodness, God's blessing on, uh, uh, again, an offspring of, 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 of Jonathan and Saul's lineage there. And when, again, we may say that David had every right uh, to be mad at Saul, had every right to understand the difficulties that he was going through. So why was it that he was wanting to show this kindness, God's kindness, to someone else? It's because of his love for Jonathan. So this servant, Ziba, knew of the son that Jonathan had by the name of Mephibosheth. That's a tongue twister there. Didn't even say that name. Mephibosheth. Again, so he called, uh, again, called the servant in and wanting to ask him the question, what was going on, and, and let him know what was to come for this, uh, this servant as well as the, the, the family of Mephibosheth. So let's look here in chapter number 9. We're going to pick up in verse number 9 as well. Second Samuel chapter 9, beginning of verse number 9, says, Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him. And thou shalt bring in the fruits. And thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, may eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, saith the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Here in our text, we find the invitation to the master's table, a picture of what has been prepared for those of us who are saved. 
So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll jump in the message of this morning. Lord, again, we thank you for, uh, again, allowing us the opportunity to meet together, Lord, to sing your praises, Lord, to, to share the different uh, prayer requests and praises that you've given and provided for us. I pray that you would help us now that we've read your scripture, that we've opened up your book, that, uh, again, you would allow it to penetrate our hearts and to show us what it is we need to do and how to apply what we've heard today. Lord, direct us and guide us. Help us to focus on what you have and nothing more, nothing less. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you think of the word grace, what comes to mind? Sometimes you may be thinking of a, a ballerina who's uh, very coordinated in her, her gracefulness as she uh, gets on the stage in pirouettes or whatever she does. Maybe you think of uh, the queen as she graces her presence with those that are around her, her, her elegance, her demeanor, everything about her is one of grace. Some may think that uh, it's something we say before we eat a meal, uh, again, offering grace. But the Word of God gives us a different definition of looking at this idea of grace. The Bible uses it this way, unmerited favor. Extend especially favor to someone who doesn't deserve it, who hasn't earned it, and could never repay it. Here what we find David offering is just that, grace. Mephibosheth didn't deserve a place at the master's table. He didn't earn it, nor could he repay it. What a beautiful picture of what God has done for us is offering us a place at his table. And I want us to point out a few things this morning, looking at this idea of the master's table. First thing I want you to see this morning is the proclamation to the master's table. The proclamation to the master's table, again, is found there in verse number 9. <clears throat> David is calling, um, he was looking for a way to show honor again to his best friend and his family or his line, uh, again, after he had already passed. And uh, come to find out, Saul had a servant. And this servant knew something. We go back and look in chapter, or excuse me, in verse number 1. We find where David was calling out to anyone. Does anyone have any information? Hey, hello, hello. Does anybody know of any sons that Saul had? More specifically, Jonathan. And as believers, we must realize that we have been called to deliver some information. Again, we are saved. We have been commanded to proclaim God's Good news to all the land. We are, again often refer to this as the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. That is the information that we are to proclaim. That is the message we are to share with all the world. And again, all of us that are saved have been called to do that very thing. If you're saved, then that is our responsibility, to share that gospel message, the message to a lost and dying world. We've been offered that message. If you're saved, you have received that message, that free gift of salvation. Now it's our turn to continue to, to allow that to continue to perpetuate throughout time. We see, again, a visual reminder. Every time we come into the sanctuary, we find it posted right back here, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So again, it's a constant reminder of what we are to do as believers to share that message. All have been called because all has been given. David said to Ziba, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul. This was not just a small portion of what Saul had owned, but all that belonged to him was now shared with Mephibosheth. As born-again believers, we have been given all that the Lord has. 
We have become joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thought this morning to think about that we are joint heirs with Jesus. Look with me, if you would, to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's look at a couple of verses here. Again, just to, to look at this idea of being called and all, given all that God has. Romans chapter 8, look at verses 16 and 17, if you would. <coughs> Romans chapter 8, verse number 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Notice this is a conditional promise. If we are true believers of God, if we have accepted that free gift of salvation, then we will receive the inheritance of eternal life. Some claim to be saved and follow man's traditions, but to be truly saved, you must ask for God's forgiveness and believe wholeheartedly that He has the power to do that. On top of that, we must humbly come before God, seeking Him and asking Him to save us according to what the Bible says. There's no other way to obtain eternal life. It is only through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have salvation. Acts chapter 4 verse number 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That is the only way to get salvation. We cannot beg. We cannot borrow. We cannot barter our way into heaven. It must be done God's way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14 tells us. So again, it's very important that we understand that is the, the proclamation. That is the message that has been given to us, that we are to be saved, and we need to follow what God has given to us. But thankfully, God has given us a way. God has given us a direction that we can understand that message. And that's the second point I want you to see this morning, is the provision of the master's table. The provision of the master's table. Look at verse number 10 again with me, back in our text. It says, Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. David the king is proclaiming to the house of Mephibosheth, I am giving you a land to provide for your needs. Remember, this is David again showing grace. Because Mephibosheth did not deserve it. He did not earn it. He could not repay it. But he was given that opportunity if he was to take care of the land, the Bible says. Scripture doesn't share with, with us the amount of land that has been given to them from David. But it was enough to take care of Mephibosheth and his sons. Not just Micah. Notice it says sons. They're plural. So he had more than one son. But also it took care of his servant Ziba who had 15 sons and 20 servants as well. So there was a lot of people that this land would take care of. But they had to make sure they took care of the land. And although Mephibosheth was lame in both of his feet. You go back and read uh, the beginning part of chapter number 9 and find out how this all came about. But basically, uh, they were escaping the land. I think the way I understand it is they dropped him or they fell on him or, or something. Anyway, it, it crippled both of his legs. He was not exempt from having to be a part of this process. He was not exempt from receiving the blessings because it says, Thou therefore and thy sons. Hey, Mephibosheth, you're going to have to earn something. You've got to work to get what I'm giving you. It's, it's a gift, yes, but you've got to take care of what I've given you. Back then, of course, there was no government agencies to help offer assistance to those that were physically hindered or handicapped. 
If you didn't have a family to help take care of you, you basically were put on the street and saying, provide for yourself. Fend for yourself. You're going to have to live your own life. But as we understand here that uh, Mephibosheth had been given so much, he had been offered other things. Maybe he had a, a wealthy family. We're not really sure of all that was going on in this situation. But uh, again, he had sons. So in order to have sons, you've got to be taken care of and uh, raise a family. Not only did he have sons, but he also had servants. Uh, again, he had many that were there to help provide for him, to help take care of him. And uh, again, uh, those that had... Wealth and things like that we're able to be taken care of. Those of us who are saved, we are often referred to as the children of God and servants of the king, falling right in line with what he said there, the sons and thy servants. We are called to take care of the land that God has given us, the place that God has put us in. We are to be the shining light, the living sacrifice, the salt and light of the gospel where God has placed us. God has put us in a place where we live, where we work, where we uh, hang out, do whatever we do uh, to be a light for Him. He has given us the ability, He's given us the interest, again, to reach those in that area. And again, it's something important that we need to understand that God has placed us there for that specific reason. The land that was provided was taken care of, but also we see that the table was always available. Notice that the table was not available to anyone, but to Mephibosheth, only Mephibosheth. The, letter, uh, the latter part of verse number 10 says, but Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. He didn't say, hey, Ziba, you and your 15 sons and your 20 servants, or even Micah. He said, Mephibosheth, you're always welcome at my table. He is, uh, again, being shown favor, goodwill, or grace, as he had mentioned earlier. Everything happens because of what God has set in line. God has a time and a season for everything. And God goes beyond wanting to provide just our needs, but he wants to bless us as his children as well. Just as David was trying to bless Mephibosheth, trying to give him more, to be a blessing to him. doesn't matter Excuse me, it doesn't mean that we are to never endure trials. A lot of people have the mentality, well, because I'm saved or because of what I'm dealing with in my life, I'll never have to worry about trials. Whew, I wish that was true, don't you? It's not. Just because you're saved only means you've got somebody to rely on. There's somebody you can go to that can help you through that trial, through that problem. But God gives us those trials, those problems, those issues to help us grow, to help us mature, to help us become stronger believers. How else are we to grow if we're not put through the test? You know, we tell our kids that all the time as they're going through school. Oh, you got to do good on your test because that's the proving point of what you've learned. God says, hey, I'm giving you a test. It's time for you to learn. Well, we don't like to hear that. That's exactly the reason we go through those trials. That's the reason we have those hard times. Because God is giving us that test that we can grow and we can learn. The psalmist repeatedly reminds us of God's goodness. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Good and upright is the Lord. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. On and on we can look at a variety of different verses that again reflect back on God's goodness. This is the provision of God and it comes through the promotion to the master's table. Number three this morning, the promotion to the master's table. Look at verse number 11 with me again. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my Lord, the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, saith the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. 
The king had issued a command to take care of the land to provide for the house of Mephibosheth, Ziba, and his family. And Ziba, again, had been chosen to be that servant. He was the one that was picked to be put in charge. He was the one that was to take care of the household. He was the one there that was to lead the other servants. He was the one in charge. Again, Mephibosheth, being lame in both of his feet, obviously could not do as much as Ziba could do. So Ziba was said, yes, uh, King David, I'm going to do it. You put me in charge, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to take care of the house. I'm going to take care of the land. Everything's going to be great. He had been promoted to this position. David, uh, again, Ziba had given that responsibility to take care of all that was going on. And he said, yes. Stop and think for a moment that the Lord has called us to be his servants, to do his will, to do whatever he has called us to do, to serve in whatever way he directs. Psalms chapter 2, verse number 11 tells us, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. How often do we stop and take time about our service to God and understanding that we are to do it joyfully? Ah, I'm so happy to be here this morning. Kind of how it looks sometimes. I love Sunday school. I love church. When you, I was thinking about the, even my own self this morning. Just this morning as I was sitting on this platform and I was looking and I could feel my face just, I don't know, gravity took hold and just, I was like, Lord, I, help me to smile. Help me to enjoy why I'm here and, and quit being so negative. Ugh. So I was like, okay, put a smile on your face. Why, you know, why are we here? What has God done for us? And again, we're able to give blessings and praises and things and, and that should excite us. So again, I was kind of preaching to myself with that. We are to serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. We are to be faithful servants of what God has called us to do in our lives. Again, not all of us are called to do the same thing. But whatever it is he has called us to do, we should be faithful in doing that. Unfortunately, <clears throat> that is not what happened to Ziba. If you were to continue to read, you can look in 2 Samuel chapter number 16. You'll find that Ziba goes on and decides whatever King David had given him was not enough. And again, he kind of tries to play some mind games and trick his way into getting more from David, but it didn't work out so well. But uh, anyway, besides the point, uh, again, we're to understand that what God gives us is always enough. What God provides for us is exactly what we need. As much as we say, oh, I want more, I want this, and I want that, God says, I've provided what you need. I've given you what you need. Again, the Bible reminds us to serve the Lord with gladness, as David wrote in Psalms number 100, and allow the Lord to lift us up. But Ziva, again, had chosen to serve. He was that servant. But also we find in verse number 11 that Mephibosheth was to be the king's son. Have you ever been to a family gathering? You know, when you go and they've got the, the kids' table and they've got the adult table. Were you ever in that in-between stage where you felt like, well, yeah, I'm uh, I'm not really a kid, but I want to sit at the adult table. Some of you are probably second yes. I remember those teenage years where I thought, I don't belong down here with these little kids, brats. I want to be up here. Isn't it nice to know that we were promoted up, got promoted to the adult table? This is how it's exactly going for Mephibosheth. He's being promoted, not just to the adult table, but to the, the king's table. Hey, I'm going to the king's table, but I'm not going as a guest. I'm going as... One of the king's sons. Can you imagine uh, how he felt? Uh, again, uh, I don't know if he had a wheelchair or how he got around in that time frame. But can you imagine, uh, again, just puffing his chest up, being excited? Hey, I'm being promoted to the king's table as one of his sons. For those of us who are saved, we are looked at 
as one of God's children. As I said, we are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been given the right to enjoy the blessings of all that God has. Stop and think for a moment of, of all the blessings that God has given you. Think of all the promises that we find in Scripture that God has given us. We have the promise to be strengthened with the might of the Spirit of the inner man. Again, the Holy Spirit living inside of us is there to guide us, to help us, strengthen us, as Ephesians chapter number 3 tells us. The promise of rest that Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew chapter number 11. God will supply our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus, as Philippians chapter 4 says. The promise of answered prayer. The promise that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Those are just some simple promises that we can find very quickly in Scripture that we have today. But you know, there's more promises that we have when we get to heaven. There's more things that we'll be able to enjoy once we cross over and again spend our eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. One of those great promises is a permanent place at the Master's table. Number four this morning, the permanent place at the master's table. Look at verse 13 with me again. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the master's table and was lame on both his feet. Mephibosheth was a permanent fixture at David's table. The offer was given by the king to, his, to this offspring of Jonathan who willfully accepted it. And it's just like us today. God gives us so much. He wants to bless us, but we've got to learn to accept it. We've got to learn to follow in line with what he wants and say, yes, Lord, it's just like salvation. God says, I've got something for you, but you have to take it. I've got something that I want to give you, but you've got to learn to accept it. Eternal life can never be taken away from us. It is that permanent place, just as Mephibosheth here was dwelling continually at the master's table. Those of us who are saved, we have eternal life, something we can never lose. Something that can never be taken away. Something that cannot be denied because of what God has given to us. If we've truly accepted the Lord Jesus as our Savior, then that responsibility of keeping it belongs to God and not me, thankfully. John chapter 10, verse 28. Again, a familiar passage that we've seen many times before. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There's no way we can get rid of it. There's no way we can lose it. Because it's not ours, it's God's. Often in Scripture, we see different people referred to as a picture or a type. And this is referred to as typology. If you go back and you study, you'll look. Uh, Adam, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, and even David are all looked at in Scripture as a picture or a type of Christ. And because of David's reflection of being a type of Christ, there's a much deeper meaning to this portion of Scripture than what we understand it. There's more there than just a, a place at a table offered to an offspring of Saul. But stop and think about it. <clears throat> it's the promotion. It's the permanent place at the dwelling, or at the dinner table. It's a picture of what God has done for us. It's a picture of His grace. The proclamation has been given inviting us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We have been provided an opportunity to have our relationship restored with God through His salvation. This promotion gives us a place as a child of the King. And thankfully, we don't have to worry about wearing out our welcome because we are promised eternal security, that continual place at the Master's table. So it's a beautiful picture, as we find here, of David issuing grace to someone that didn't deserve it. 
and inviting them to come and join them at that table. The Lord Jesus Christ says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also, John 14 tells us. He has provided a place, a permanent dwelling for us to go to, to enjoy the provisions of God. But we've got to accept it. We've got to say yes, Lord. We've got to accept that free gift of salvation. And hopefully this morning you've done that. If not, why not take time this morning to do that? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Again, I want to ask a very important question. Have you accepted the invitation, the free gift of salvation that has been given to us by God? Have you asked God to forgive you and to save you? If you haven't, why? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you are saved, do you share this message with others? Are you taking advantage of the provisions that God has offered to all of us? Whatever your need may be this morning, again, the invitation is an opportunity to respond to the message.